Welcome to Gratitude, the grad school guide for student physical therapists. I'm Sarah. And I'm Gabby. And we are two first-year physical therapy students sharing our grad school experiences to help PT students around the world. Embark on this journey with us as we navigate through the insanity of physical therapy school together. Looking for a gift for a friend, classmate, professor, co-host of a podcast, or really anyone? Physiomemes got your back with apparel, drinkware, and home decor. And if you go to physiomemes.com, you can get a 20% off coupon with the code gratitude, spelled G-R-A-D-I-T-U-D-E-2020. And don't forget to check out his social media for a good study break laugh. As always, make life humorous. Are you struggling financially in PT school? Are you a PT student struggling to find scholarships? Not enough scholarships offered at your school. We have started the Gratitude Scholarship for PT students, no matter what year, no matter what school, you guys can apply. We are raising $5,000. You can check out our GoFundMe link in the description and you can donate, apply, whatever, check it out. We are so excited to be giving this away in the summer of 2019 for our very first time. If you're enrolled in the summer of 2019, interested in applying for the scholarship, you can submit a video no longer than two minutes answering these two questions. What is your vision of physical therapy in the future? And what are you doing outside of the classroom as a PT student? If you answer these two questions and email us the video and submit it before May 1st, then you will be eligible for the scholarship. So check it out, guys. Definitely worth applying. It doesn't take long. We look forward to hearing all your submissions. Thank you. So in this episode with Chanel, we talk more about her extensive journey into PT school with getting rejected from school 15 times and how she was a PTA while also traveling for PT school and she was living in Indiana and going to PT school at the University of St. Augustine in Florida. She was commuting every other week for four years for their Flex DPT program, which is crazy. And going through all of this, she she was interviewed right after her divorce from her first husband and she talked more about how that really affected her mentally, emotionally, physically while going through, you know, the stresses of PT school at the same time. Yeah, and she's been in school for 10 years. She did four years of undergrad, two years to get her associates, and then four years flex from PTA to PT while working as a full-time PTA and commuting from Indiana to Florida. Like, in the midst of that, getting a divorce is insane. So from all of that, she really took a lot of her pain that she's had and become an amazing, I don't want to say just clinician, but amazing human being who created the Enchantment Method course for health professionals. It was really born out of her identity crisis. After not getting fulfillment out of her successful brick and mortar PT clinic, she created. Chanel goes deep into dealing with burnout and anxiety and having an identity apart from your goals. That was one thing that she really hit on. She gave really great advice to say, it's okay if you change your mind and you don't have to have everything figured out right now. 
Yeah. She had a lot of amazing stories. Like she is an incredible storyteller. And we talk about also the effects of social media on mental health, how everybody experiences imposter syndrome and how to get through that. And you guys have to really listen intently to this episode because Chanel is an amazing storyteller and you will get so much out of this. We hope you enjoy this episode with Chanel. So welcome to another episode of Gratitude, everyone. So for today's episode, we have the wonderful Chanel Yoder on, and she is an incredible influence to us and for so many others. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm really excited, like so pumped to talk with you guys. I feel like this has been a few weeks in the making, so it's really exciting. Yes, I'm so excited. And I know that we haven't met in real life. You guys didn't realize, but <laughs> I think it's so cool. One day we'll all meet in May. Yes. Um, Not too far away. A few months. That's kind of crazy. Know. Just a few more months. So, oh yeah. So, Chanel, tell us about your journey into PT school first and foremost. Well, am I allowed to cuss on this podcast? Let me just ask that first. Is oh, that okay? Of course. Yes, okay. of course. <laughs> Because I would describe my journey um, to being a PT as just a clusterfuck, to be honest. It was a very long and drawn out process um, full of a lot of heartache and crossroads and decisions. And really, they're crossroads that I still think about today. It kind of just blows me away. And actually, I was working with a patient today who's asking me about it. And this guy's, you know, 18 years old and, you know, doesn't want to, doesn't know what he wants to do with his life. And an athlete and, and all of this, but I just got into talking to him about it today and he was kind of floored and it, it just always takes me back to where I started and it always gives me a really fresh, humble opinion of, of where you can go when you really want to do things. And um, I guess the backstory to your listeners would be that, you know, I applied to PT school 15 times and was rejected. Um, this was in the midst of some relationship stuff uh, with my high school sweetheart and my first husband. And um, after all of those rejections, it really took a toll on me mentally. It was really hard because I knew I wanted to be a PT since I was like 15 years old. Like it's all I had ever wanted. And so it was, I did not really have a plan B. And so after I was waitlisted the first time as a junior, um, I started thinking about, well, what am I going to do if I'm waitlisted again? You know, because I'd I'd basically changed my entire life plan in accordance to being a PT. I didn't take scholarships to play basketball. I like had geared everything into this one pot, pot of gold, I guess you could say. But when I was waitlisted the second time as a senior at the school I'd applied to, I, you know, was hopeful that I would get other places and then didn't. And then applied to OT schools a backup and then PTA schools a backup. Um, was admitted or ex offered acceptance into both. And then so much of me wanted to just go to OT school because at least it was a bump up to a master's degree and not a bump down to an associate's degree after getting a bachelor's. But I ended up kind of, I don't know, just following my heart on what I, what I felt like I needed to do and went to PTA school, uh, graduated from that two years later. And then as soon as I finished that, I reapplied to the University of St. Augustine in Florida and made that commitment. And when I was actually offered an interview for the first time. I hadn't been offered an interview for any of the other schools. Um, it was when me and my uh, husband decided that 
uh, we wanted different things. He wanted to have kids and I wanted to keep going for my education like we had always talked about. And so I went to that interview, newly separated from him, and it was just a really raw part of my life, I can remember, but very impactful. And it gave me a lot of confidence. A lot of the things that I'm doing today, I tend to channel myself back to all of the things leading up to those moments and just kind of remembering what I'm capable of. And, you know, obviously was accepted into that program and um, was doing the flex program. So I was traveling from Indiana to uh, Florida twice a month for four years. And that was an experience in itself. Uh, goodness. Uh, it's, it's kind of all a whirlwind when I think back on it. And I, I mean, a, a ton of things happened even within those four years too, but that would be how I would describe my journey to <laughs> becoming a PT. So it was kind of crazy. That is quite a clusterfuck. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was. And I, you know, my husband and my current husband now, my last and final husband, um, we talk about traveling all the time and I, it, it always seems so draining to talk about like just going on trips and this and that, but I always go back to those four years of traveling every other weekend and renting a car and then driving two hours and then sitting in lecture for, you know, two to three days and then doing it all over again and working full time as a PTA during the whole process. And it was, it's almost a lot of it. I don't even remember because I felt like I was in survival mode <laughs> a lot of the time. And it really took a toll on my mental health. I think it really exacerbated the development of generalized anxiety and uh, things that I still deal and struggle with today. Um, I feel like I manage it a lot better overall, but there's still times when it just hits me out of nowhere. Um, and I feel like a lot of that is attributed to my lack of, I don't know, self-care during those four years, you know, because a lot of times, especially when you're a student and you're in a high stakes program, um, so much of your self-worth gets wrapped up into how well you're doing. And it just, it really, it really can drain you. So. Yeah, no, that's, I think I remember the first time that I heard your story and just, just the commute from Indiana to Florida. I mean, I don't know anybody who's ever done that. And to have that commitment on top of, you know, working full time as a PTA, I mean, how did you have time? I don't know. I wanted to know more how it coincide, coincided with like your how did you study during that time? <laughs> it's true. It's so true. So I had a position where I worked four tens. And so that was generally, it, it alternated every other week, depending on whether it was a school week or not a school week. So it was always flipping. So either I was working Tuesday through Friday, actually Tuesday through Sunday to accommodate for the next week that I'd be off four days to go to school. And so I was working generally from like six to four or seven to five. And then I would go home and I would, I would be doing either the studying or um, assignments. Cause there was a ton of assignments, obviously um, all night, you know, until 11 or midnight. And it was every night. And it was just, that was just my life. Like I didn't, didn't really, I didn't think about <laughs> everything I was missing because for me, so much was on the line. Like I had just left a marriage for me, not finishing this was not an option. Like it was where I developed the discipline and the understanding that I could not worry about what anyone had to say about what I was doing. And I didn't realize how much like later on in life, how much that would become very helpful. But it was one of those things where my, my days were just filled 
constantly with physical therapy, you know, until the time I woke up to the time I went to bed, it was always physical therapy. Uh, and it was hard and it was exacerbated by a really shitty relationship. Um, but Oh goodness. I'm so glad that it's over, <laughs> but I'll say, um, I get messages from PT students a lot and, you know, asking for advice and whatnot. And I do, I do want to urge people to enjoy the ride and enjoy the friendships that you develop. And, uh, just this sense of belonging and um, working as a team and collaborating. And it's a really cool part of life. It's part of my life that I, that I do miss. And I miss those relationships that I built within that program. And, you know, when you're all going through really tough shit, it just develops this bond that's kind of hard to describe. And it's one of those bonds that you, you can't really replicate elsewhere in your life. <laughs> you know, it's like this one and done type thing. So yeah, it was studying all the time, pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, on the plane, I'm sure. You're just like on the plane. Yes. On you know what? It's funny you say that because even today, plane, like being on planes is where I get my best ideas. On a plane was where I developed the enchantment method. It's where I am able to like get in this zone of creativity and just extreme focus. And I think that I developed that in grad school because I just like I had to. Like I was that freak on the plane <laughs> studying note cards and having my laptop and oh. It was extreme. Yeah. So you just talked about the enchantment method. And for, um, for the listeners who don't know what your platform is, if you can uh, explain how it got started, um, more about that and where it is today. Sure. The enchantment method was born out of an identity crisis is what I like to tell people. Um, it, the idea started like sprinkling or well, I was urged to create this product about three years ago and I didn't feel, and I didn't feel worthy of it. I didn't feel like I had, I don't know, like who am I to do this? You know, and we all go through those emotions, but that's what, that's what delayed that for so long. But uh, this past February, I was dealing with a lot of uh, chronic illness related to some birth control related things. And it was not a good, not a good part of my life. I had just created a brick and mortar was really successful with it, but didn't feel fulfillment in it. I didn't like it. I didn't like how I felt when I was doing it. And it just made me feel like, wow, you literally kind of have everything you've ever wanted. You have the husband of your dreams. You have this practice. And yet you're still not there. You're not where you feel like you need to be. And uh, through a mastermind program, I just started creating relationships with people who were helping me get out of my own way, essentially, and helping me understand that it's okay to do the things that I feel really called to do. And so that's where it came from. Um, you know, within conversations with different clinicians, I started just getting this intense feeling that people needed to understand that there's more to their life, there's more to their, their quality of life, there's more to their career than what you learn in school. And it's okay to embrace that. It's okay to use that as you build your career and as you decide who you're meant to help and who you're meant to serve and how to market that and, and all of that. So that's when I created my course. And so over the next few months, I created that and then, you know, launched it into a beta, sold out that beta, launched it again in September, sold that out, and then just recently had another launch last week and sold that out. So it's been a really, really um, humbling and exciting it's such an exciting journey. I'm very happy with it. I'm happy in the realm that I get to, to help 
PTs and even PT students and healthcare professional students and nurses and, you know, it's not just for physical therapists. So it's been very eye-opening and scary as hell, <laughs> if I'm being honest, because it's hard. I mean, you can imagine, you know, we just talked about this long journey that I had to becoming a PT. And now I feel like my true calling isn't necessarily purely clinical. And it took me a few months to like mourn the loss of that realization <laughs> because it's like, wow, I invested so much time and money and emotional energy into a profession that I love, but it just, there just felt like there was something missing and the enchantment method is what was missing. So that's exciting, but it's, it's been um, a continuous growth process because it's forced me to again go back to those principles of, you know, don't worry about how other people perceive what you're doing. Just do what you need to do. So it's been challenging. <laughs> and I think what you just said is a huge key, even to just PT school, even to finding what you want to do, whether you're a PT or not, it doesn't matter what you're doing in life, but accepting that what your dreams were, like they might not be the same throughout your life. And it, like you said, mourning the loss of that. Yeah. Man, yeah. <laughs> how, okay. How did you get through that? You know, you had, so you applied 15 times. Mm -hmm. So, so like to 15 schools within two years. Yeah. That's insane. And then yeah. you went to PTA school and then you made it to PT school and that mm -hmm. was the flex program, which was four years. So this is after what eight years of school no 10 10 mm -hmm. yeah yeah and you liked you liked PT obviously that was your dream you loved it yep. but it just mm -hmm. wasn't it's like I, I the way I try to describe it to people is I feel like I had to I had to go through all of that I had to develop the skills that I have as a PT in order to connect with the people I meant to help on a deeper level and the I think the level to which I'm shifting lives in terms of clinicians and how that's trans like transcending into how they help patients it's kind of exponential it's kind of a thousand fold and so that's how I that's how I think about it most days other days I'm like whoa um, I do still treat patients and I do enjoy it but it's like I think I'm, I'm a very I'm an empath so Whatever people are, are like around me, I'm going to take on that energy. And it's hard to do that consistently when you work around patients who aren't necessarily into their healing and have a lot of negative energy and have a lot of sorrow. And it's, it's hard. It's exhausting for me to take that on all the time. And I think these are just things you don't know as a student. You don't know until you go through it and then you're done and you're like, okay, well, what's this? What's this about? What can I get into next? And, you know, I've worked in every setting there is in physical therapy. And so I've kind of taken what I've liked and left what I didn't like and incorporated it into my practice. And that's been very helpful, but it, it was a huge, um, a huge obstacle into me going after what I need to be doing to help other clinicians. And it was hard, but I think understanding the difficulty in that is what gives me a bit of a perspective into knowing how my students need need to look at their career and how to best implement who they are at a very core identity level into how they treat patients and into who, who they help and in what setting and, and all of that. So I feel like I had to go through the worst of the worst in, in order to be able to offer the best, you know, to the people that I meant to help, I guess. That's how I look at it. 
Oh my gosh, that's so great. Uh, I I was just trying, I was trying to take it all in. Like that's just is such a a really incredible story. And just to to say that you've been through that and now you're come out on the other side. And you know what? Like things may change. I mean, mm-hmm. some people like we keep talking about burnout and how did you um how did you avoid that? Like, especially maybe once I got closer to the end of PT school and thinking, all right, I'm about to graduate. Like, I feel like. <laughs> or deal with it. I mean, yeah, it exactly. Yeah. I think, you know, when you're in the throes of PT school and it's, it's so rigorous and, you know, I, I know as I was finishing up my program, I was finishing up a few clinicals and the last clinical really, um, really took a toll on me mentally and emotionally. It was a very rough environment and going out of that and then going into exit exams and going into my manual therapy certification courses, it was a a very rough summer all the way up until graduation. And I think when you're in the midst of that, you just hold on to hope (laughs) and you don't think about the possibilities of what it's going to like be like when it's over. But then when it is over, and you realize, or at least for myself, I realized that so much of who I thought I was, I'd wrapped up into this goal. And when you achieve the goal and you're not truly tied to the exact journey of the destination afterwards, it's like you, you can become disconnected. And then it's a, a bit of a wake-up call. And, you know, most of my adult life, actually all of my adult life, had been geared towards the goal of graduating. And so when I finally did... I was just so relieved, you know, like, wow, I did it. And I think I still pinch myself sometimes because I can't believe that I did it. Uh, But I did. And I think combining that with the relationship I was in and, you know, all this, all the shit that happened after that, it was like, I didn't really have time to think about the burnout. I was just living (laughs) and just trying to get by. And I don't know, it's not until... I think especially, you know, the relationship I have now with an incredible, incredible human being. I think when you're with the right people, they just help you kind of come back down to earth and see that, like, you're making choices. You're doing what you want to do. Is this really what you want to be doing? And kind of taking it from there day by day. Um, the, the art and gift of storytelling I've been developing for several years. And so I'd always been told that I had a gift in that. But it was one of those things that in my mind, didn't correlate to PT. So I never, I never even considered that in the realm of what I would be doing in my life. Like, had you asked me 10 years if this is what I'd been doing, like, I, I can't even fathom that. I really can't. But in terms of burnout for current students or burnout for new clinicians, my advice is to ask, like, what, a, what about it are you burnt out in? Is it, is it emotional? Like, do you feel like you're just not getting fulfillment out of what you're doing? Is there a group of people that you feel like you'd feel better connected to. For me, I think that's usually the answer. Like you're just not helping the right people. But then knowing like what are your goals in terms of hours? Like are you a morning person? Are you an afternoon person? Like you, are you, do you need to be doing something where you can set your own schedule? Do you need more flexibility and freedom? You know, for me, I never imagined that I would hate treating people within the four walls of any one place. And I realized very quickly within about four months that I built a, a very beautiful practice and I didn't like being in it, even though it was amazing. I didn't f- like the way it felt. And so my, I urge you to, especially as students, you know, when you're in these clinicals, don't worry as much or don't put so much emphasis on 
the clinical stuff, like think about how you feel within certain facilities, certain settings, certain patients, um, your schedule, like, does it feel like how you want your life to feel like? Uh, because being a clinician won't be enough, you know, you have to pay attention to the, the, the nuances of your life, because that stuff matters too, you know? Yeah, because being a clinician is not your whole life. And being a student is not your whole life, even though people in the moment you're like, oh, this pretty much is. It's not your whole life. It's not. And you forget that. Yeah, you do forget it because your identity gets wrapped up in it out of survival. And don't assume that when it's all over, you'll feel like X, Y, Z. Like, well, I just have to do this and then I'll do this. Or, well, we just have to get through and then my relationship will be better. Like, I really think that the things you go through only accentuate what is really happening at that moment, you know? And so a bad relationship during PT school is likely to not be good after PT school, <laughs> you know? Uh, you know, relationships can be hard regardless, but you know when you're in one that's like not healthy and, and not, pushing you to be a good person or to be the person you want to be and helping you spread your wings and find freedom and that kind of thing. So don't, I don't know, don't think that when you finish, you've made it because there's a lot of stuff that you can be learning along the way that can point you in the directions that you need to be going into. Yeah, I think that's so important for, for students to hear because like we said, it's currently, yeah, it's, it's our identity, but there are so many other things that you can do, and school does not have to consume your life, as, <laughs> as you can um, tell, but my next question, oh, so what do you wish someone would have told you before you started your business? You don't have to be afraid that you're going to change your mind, because if you change your mind, it's fine. You know, like, if you change your mind and what you're doing right now could be a little better, you just pivot and you change it. You know, it's, it's, it's not like you have to have it all figured out before you do it or else you suck or else it fails or else it's not meant to be. Just go with the best knowledge you have at the moment and then pay attention to, pay attention to like your intuition and pay attention to how you're feeling as long as you're building it and then just make pivots along the way. You know, I think that a lot of people when they are building something, they're just so worried that they have to get it perfect from the very conception of it and or else people don't take it seriously or else it doesn't, you know, catch, I don't know, catch drift, I guess you could say, but it's not the case. It's I'm constantly making decisions that I didn't think <laughs> that I would be making. You know, I've, I've made a few, I've made one just yesterday about my whole course. Like I have it all lined out within the nine modules and yesterday it just hit me that I needed to move module eight to module three. You know, like, and that's totally fine. It's fine to figure out and, I don't know, make things more smooth along the way. Whatever it is you're doing, don't be afraid to change your mind and don't, there's, you can never have traveled too far down a road to turn back. Like, you can always turn back. Always. It doesn't matter. That would be what I would say. That's gold. I know so many people are just like, this is permanent. Like, whatever I do is permanent. It can't be retracted. Like, it can't be changed. Um, <laughs> I mean, maybe your grades, but other than that, like, mm -hmm. no, it's not permanent. Nope, it really isn't. And with that mentality, you put so much pressure on yourself, and it's it's going to make anxiety worse. It's going to 
for me, it triggers depression and it triggers a lot of like PTSD type stuff when I start thinking with that kind of mentality. So just go with it and trust that whatever is happening is fine. Like it's totally fine for things to fall apart. I mean, that's really what my life's taught me the most <laughs> really is that it's okay if things go to shit because if they go to shit, it's because they were meant to. Gold again. <laughs> I was like, but what I did want to hear more about, because I know you've gone through so much shit that has caused you to rise to such like an amazing level. Like you said, you have to become the best of the best from like the shittiest of things. And I'm sure that came with a lot of stress and anxiety. And how did you deal with that throughout, whether it's just PT school or in general? I think ultimately I, I started thinking about, you know, who, who in my life am I worrying about disappointing? Like who within my circle, who, whether it be family or friends or social media, I think social media is a huge trigger for anxiety these days, but like, who am I worried about either disappointing or being talked shit about too, like behind, behind my back? Like who am I so worried is going to crush me? And then I just remove myself from their life. Like, because really, I don't think I've ever had a relationship with someone that was truly good and healthy and grounded within truth and authenticity and real love that I have ever had to worry about them within those, within those realms. And so, I don't know, it's, it's weird. I think all of it really came to fruition for me when I got divorced the second time. And I thought about how destructive that relationship and that marriage was and the people in my life who just kind of stood by and kind of allowed, not allowed it to happen, but didn't question, didn't question it and didn't question and didn't ask me how I was. And then the fallout of that and how, how hard it was for me to walk away, especially after being in the public eye and social media, you know, I had developed a following at that point. And so I just lost a lot of respect for appearances. Like I don't, I didn't owe it to anyone anymore. You never owe your misery to anybody else ever. And whether that misery is disguised as anxiety or depression or whatever, you don't owe that to anyone and you don't need to feel like you need to keep it in either. So, you know, when I met my current husband, Chris, I, I don't know, it's weird. I just, I had experienced so much joy that I, I no longer cared. I no longer cared what anyone had to say about what the decisions I was making because they didn't have to pay the bill at the end of the night for my emotion. <laughs> like my emotional wreckage was my own. Like my entire life, it's been only me who's had to really deal with it. And so there's no need in worrying about the other people who have anything to say about it. <laughs> and what's weird is that the people I worried about the most throughout a lot of the stuff that's happened in my life the past five or six years, like they aren't a part of my life anymore. And, you know, I, I truly wish them the best, but it's, it's just one of those things where people, sometimes people aren't meant to be a part of your world forever and that's fine. And if you're making your life decisions based off of people who are temporary people, you're going to be really disappointed by the outcome in your life because it's really, it's your life and you have to pay for that. Yeah. And I think that's so important too, because you really have to try and find your circle now and 
we've we've said it before on multiple episodes, but we are all a part of an amazing community called Smart and Success PT. And I mean, these relationships are real. They're not <laughs> they're not fake at all. Mm-mm. And it's like this community, at least for me, is truly what's kept me grounded and really kept me going through, you know, my first like few semesters of PT school. And it's like, you have to find that group because like you said, those temporary relationships, they're not going to last. No, 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 not at all. And, you know, that would be the other piece of advice I would give people is, you know, let the right people wake you up because the right people will wake you up to reality and they'll wake you up to who you really are. And, you know, Greg was who woke me up to who I was, you know, it was shortly after I joined SSPT that I filed for my second divorce, you know, like a lot of shit happened in my life immediately after I met the right people and don't underestimate that power because the people that you do spend your time with and you, you know, you invest your emotional energy into, they will create you to be who, who you are in real life, like just the way that it is. So it's so valuable to find people that really love you and just want you to live life for yourself and the things that you want to do. And um, I don't know, it's, it's very, very powerful, but also underestimated, especially within this, an age of like the digital age with social media and seeing, like, I can't imagine how I would have coped with life 10 years ago had it been like it is today. That would have been a lot. I would not, I don't know how I would have coped, honestly, (laughs) because you are, you're just seeing so many people, uh, you're seeing their lives, and a lot of them are going to show you a highlight reel. They're not going to show you the, the depths of who they are, and that's what makes me so passionate about what I do, because I think that truth and, and authenticity, especially in relationships, is what leads the way to people like really just getting real with themselves and having better lives, <laughs> happier lives, better friendships, better standards, and that kind of thing. The digital age is crazy and I know we're not even like (laughs) we didn't really grow up in it like the people now like the future PTs who are like in high school now Mm -hmm. there's such a difference and it's so crazy yeah it is it's insane (laughs) I just Mm -mm. yeah I can't it just makes relationship dynamics and self-worth and social identity much more complicated you know (laughs) because you have a lot of other moving parts at play that are helping you create you know I don't know an idea about who you are who you should be or who they are and it just makes things really crazy it does Mm -hmm. before I go down that rant because I don't Mm want to go down that rant too much about the digital age and trying to get to people because this is this is quite an adventure. I have handled quite a few social media accounts in my day and I, it's a lot. Oh, I bet. Absolutely. Yep. But what advice would you give? I know you gave a lot of advice already, but what (laughs) advice would you give for a current PT student trying to get through grad school and it's just kicking their ass hardcore? I would, I would urge them to ask themselves what about it is kicking their ass is it the the time management is it the is it the difficulty with confidence in terms of testing and learning and believing that you belong is it a worth issue because i think a lot of the struggles that we encounter in a rigorous academic program are really just intensified reflections of what we struggle with personally 
and those issues will come back. <laughs> you know, they, they won't go away after school's over. So I would urge them to take a deeper look into, well, what is it that I'm having trouble with? Like for me, it was a combination of self-worth. Like, am I, do I really belong with these other people? Because so many other people told me I didn't belong. <laughs> you know, <laughs> when you get rejected several times, you start, part of you starts to believe that you, that you don't have a place in it. So just guard and value your self-worth above everything because it's the one thing that everything else kind of goes back to, I think. And being careful about not deducing your worth as a human being as your performance as a student. Uh, because, you know, I don't know. For me, I wasn't a horrible student. You know, it took me a while to get into PT school. I was applying with I don't know, it was around a three, four, five or three, five. It wasn't a terrible GPA, but it wasn't, it wasn't where it needed to be for the schools I was applying to. And you just, it's a valuable lesson into to not adopting the beliefs that other people have about you into the belief you have about yourself. And when you're being constantly judged by professors or academic committees or CIs, it's really, it's a very fine line of letting that transfer into how you feel about yourself and what you are, you think you're capable of. So that would be my, that would be my biggest piece of advice. And I know we talked about this a little before as well, like imposter syndrome. Everybody feels it. I don't even know why it's called imposter syndrome because everybody has imposter <laughs> syndrome. Like, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yep. And I think the, the terms imposter syndrome go they're rooted in this idea that we have to live up to something in order to be worthy of something else versus knowing that you as you are is always going to be enough and you are learning the skills of a physical therapist but that doesn't mean that all physical therapists are the same person <laughs> and being able to let who you are flow into those other parts of who you are you know, as a clinician, you know, other roles that you have. And I mean, really, whether it's a PT or a mother or, you know, whatever other roles you take on in your life, just knowing that you have to feel really safe in who you are naturally and just let that bleed into the other stuff that you do on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, because I think, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think the reason so many people deal with imposter syndrome is that they are trying to impersonate other people, you know? And so when you are trying to replicate the, the best of others, you're going to feel like you don't measure up because you don't measure up to who they are. You measure up to who you are, which isn't even comparable. That's totally right. And I know we've talked about it so many times and you have, you feel like you have this identity crisis and that you're you're not living up to the expectations that others, whether that be classmates or professors or CIs, those expectations that you're supposed to meet. And you're like, all right, <laughs> am I really like, do I really belong? Mm -hmm. and, you know, we're all going to go through it once, but you just have to believe in yourself and give those positive affirmations and say, you know what? No, I'm meant to be here. I'm here for a reason and I'm going to kick ass mm -hmm. and I'm not going to you know, I'm not going to give up. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, the things, the things you're learning in PT school are necessary in knowing and being proficient as a clinician, obviously, but 
there's so much about yourself that is like that doesn't need building that is amazing the way it is and everyone has different strengths and weaknesses that fall into that and I think what's good or what I would recommend is thinking and and just reflecting on all the things about yourself that you don't need to work on <laughs> because when you're in PT school you feel like you have to work on everything you don't know anything you always have to know more you always have to prove someone wrong you always have to prove someone right like it's always this competitive game and I remember when I finished it was like I don't know it, it almost felt like this deafening silence because it was like I didn't have those voices in my head anymore and then that just freaked me out you know because it's it's this huge huge letdown of pressure that you don't have to put on yourself anymore and I don't know I think some of these lessons are hard to learn in the midst of it you don't learn them till you're done <laughs> you know for good reason but I don't know, just, it's just so important to remember that you're a person alongside also being a student and that the being a student is a really interesting part of your life, but it doesn't make you or break you as a human being. I think everybody forgets that. <laughs> everybody. I forget that all the time. I'm like, because you have all these identities. You're like, I am a PT student. I was the personal trainer or am a personal mm -hmm. trainer, like your job mm -hmm. identifies mm -hmm. you, whatever. Yep. It's so hard to break out of. It is. And, you know, oh, it's just, I, th I think back to that part of my life and I remember, you know, not getting in and I really thought my life was going to end. Like part of me was suicidal, I think. And it was, because I couldn't handle the thought of what other people were going to say about me because I didn't achieve this. I wasn't offered admission. You know, I, I was very public about my goals. And so to not get them, it felt I would have rather died than deal with how other people were going to perceive my life. And that is a really scary, scary place. So it's important to know that you know, at the end of the day, like, is the worst case scenario in, within this realm is that you don't get through PT school, but the world doesn't end, <laughs> you know, like, it's, it's okay to fail at things, and it's okay to start over, it's okay to find new passions, and to realize yourself at a, at a greater depth, it, it's totally fine, and I wish I'd known that earlier, because I probably would have taken a lot more pressure off myself, and probably performed better, honestly, <laughs> anxiety just made my performance much worse, I would vomit before every practical, like I had crippling anxiety and so much of it was just the story that I created in my head about what it would mean if I didn't do well. And that can, that can play into a lot of different parts of your life. And I want to go on a slight rant about what you said. <laughs> Worst case scenario, you don't make it through. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yep. And th honestly, it's, that was the thing that two divorces taught me the most of was that it's okay if it doesn't work out. It's, it's fucking okay. And for me, it's like, wow, it worked out so much better this way. <laughs> I would have never met him had I not been through those things. I would have, it would have never happened. The way, everything had to happen exactly how it happened in order to be in the kind of situation I'm in now. And, you know, failing was the best thing that ever happened to me. Hands down. If you don't fail, there's no pain to come back from. Mm -hmm. Yep. And there's really nothing to judge it on when things are really good. I only know that my life feels really amazing right now because I know what, how it's felt in other 
eras of my life. <laughs> you know, I now know what a good, healthy relationship is because I've been in others that were not that. And, you know, that's the joy that comes in just taking risks and not deducing who you are to some of the choices you make and just seeing where the chips fall because having gone through that other stuff, that's what gave me the courage to, you know, just trust the feeling I got when I met Chris, you know, and, and other things that have happened in my life. You just have to go with your best intentions and, you know, don't control it the whole way. Being a control freak really in, impacted my life on many levels. Um, and I still struggle with control in my business and holding on to everything that needs to be done. That's probably the last part of my life where I'm, I'm feeling a lot of control, but um, I don't know. I've just found that when you just trust the way things are, things, things just happen the way they should be. Yeah, that's, that's so right. I think so many people relate to being a control freak because I'm a freaking control freak. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And it all, it all goes back to that fear of like, shit just goes off the rails if I don't have my hand in it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes having our hand in it just makes it worse. Having your hand in 30 different buckets just makes it harder to manage, <laughs> you know? Again, I think that goes back to the people that you're around and the relationships that you're around because they can either alleviate who you are or your, your weaknesses or they can strengthen your weaknesses, you know? So it's like, for me, you know, my husband's a very laid back guy. Um, he has certain areas of his life where he like definitely likes to be a little more OCD, but by, by and large, he's very spontaneous and open. And it's really helped me feel a lot of that too. Like there's a lot of decisions that I just don't care to make anymore. <laughs> and it's very liberating because 10 years ago, that wasn't me. You know, there was a lot of things that I had to be in on or else I was convinced my life was over. So just pay attention to that. And you know, PT students are type A. Mm -hmm. Like, oh yes, <laughs> we are balls of stress. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. it's true. It's true. Oh yeah, yeah. And you know, I think so much of that goes back to just the the admissions process. And there's a lot of pressure on people to get into PT school. It's very, com it's so competitive, and it creates this idea that I don't know that you have to be perfect in order to get accepted and oh my gosh that is such a harmful mindset to adopt as you go through life because you really don't have to be perfect <laughs> um, but when you're applying to these schools you really feel in the moment that you have to be pretty close to it <laughs> and that doesn't you know developing that core identity doesn't stop once you get in you just now you feel even more that you have to maintain it you know it, it only intensifies it so yeah and especially like if you start getting rejections, so if, if someone's listening to this, you're about to apply to PT school. It's okay to get some rejections. It's okay <laughs> no matter what happens. I've said this before, but I was denied <laughs> by uh, 18 schools. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it happens. It does. It does happen. And let it make you fearless. You know, let it just make you a person who. It's just going to continue to do what you feel like you need to do. Let it develop resiliency and a bit of perseverance that will, you know, carry you on in different parts of your life. Absolutely. It's okay for people to say no to you. And, you know, if there's anything that I'm trying to deprogram and my students who are now clinicians is um, people are going to say no to you because you're not meant to help everybody. 
-hmm. You know, if you're a business owner and you are, you know, building your following or you're building a patient base or whatever, you shouldn't even want everybody. No. <laughs> you, know, you, you aren't going to appeal to everyone and it's okay. Um, in the same way that you're not going to appeal to all PT schools and it's okay. That's okay too. Yes. You just need that one and huh. you're going to be <laughs> stressed. You're right. Be careful what you wish, wish for. <laughs> exactly. Yes, definitely. Absolutely. I'm getting such PTSD right now. Go ahead, Gabby. <laughs> Take it over. <laughs> oh, man. But everybody needs to hear your story. And I think a lot of people can resonate with this. And whether, you know, you're going through a relationship right now and it's not working out or, you know, you're, there could be someone who's listening that is commuting if they're in a flex program. Um, and it's just important to know that, you know, you're not alone in this and you have people to reach out to, but we thank you for, you know, shedding light into your story and your journey um, through all of this, through all the, the clusterfuck, yeah. as we've repeatedly <laughs> said throughout this episode. But, um, it's been yeah. my pleasure. It's been my yeah. pleasure. And really, it's all of it was hard, but it's been so worth it. The, the messages that I get from PT students or pre-PTs or clinicians, like to, to see how it has helped people makes it all worth it because it was a hell of a ride. It, it was really rough, but I don't know. It's, we're all here to kind of share like where we've been and, and that's meant to help other people. So I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you both. Oh, of course. And for people who do want to reach out, because I'm sure people reach out, <laughs> where can they find you on social media or what's the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah. Um, a lot of my storytelling is actually on Facebook. So facebook.com forward slash Chanel DPT. Um, I have a pretty active Instagram account, the.embodyboss. Uh, my website is embodyboss.com. And you can email me at um, embodyboss at gmail.com. I forgot my email address there for a second. <laughs> yeah, embodyboss at gmail.com. I'd be happy to talk with anybody. Awesome. Well, we yes. appreciate you coming on so much. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Of course. And we'll stay in touch. I'm sure. We'll see you in May. Yes, yes. that's right. Oh, I can't wait to see you in May. Oh my gosh. It's going to be so great. Like, I am, I'm so pumped. Everybody that we're seeing, it's just going to be like, we've, you know, yeah, I just like it. it'll be it's fabulous. Totally. <laughs> yeah, I I already I already told Kaylee. She was like, I might cry when I see you. I was like, yeah, oh. that'll probably happen. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Tears will be shed. Tears will be shed. Oh, yes. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Gratitude, the grad school guide for student physical therapists. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our Instagram and Facebook page linked in the description.